So a couple of weeks ago now, the parable that we heard Jesus share with us was the parable of the dishonest steward. You might remember the dishonored, the dishonest steward was the one who settled accounts on behalf of his, uh, his owner, but didn't have the authority to do so. And Jesus praised him for ha having acted prudently. And the point I tried to make that weekend, I don't know if it was at the nine o'clock mass, but whatever mass it was, was the fact that what Jesus is praising in him is a certain urgency to make things right. An urgency to make things right is why Jesus held up the dishonest steward as an example of acting prudently. Now today, Jesus introduces another dishonest, you could say, character, and he takes it to a whole new level. Now we're not talking about a dishonest steward. We're talking about a dishonest judge. In some ways, those two things should be totally contradictory, totally paradoxical. How can you have a dishonest judge if there's one thing a judge is supposed to be is honest? And to make the point even stronger, Jesus describes this dishonest judge as having two characteristics. Number one, he doesn't fear God. Number two, he has no respect for human beings. That's a problem if you're a judge, right? If there's one thing a judge is supposed to do is to fear God in some sense because there's no one else holding a judge accountable other than God. A lot of judges answer to no one other than God. They make certain promises to God to act according. And if this guy doesn't even fear God, to whom is he accountable? The answer is no one. So this is problematic. Not only does he not fear God, he also doesn't respect any human being. Can you imagine a judge in the court of law who has no respect for human beings? Another problem. So why would Jesus be using this as an example? And by the way, the widow who comes to him that wants him to render an account, render a decision because of her case, the widow who comes to him the only reason he makes a decision in her case is why? Because he's fearful that she's going to hit him. You can't make this stuff up. Deacon Terry just read it. Jesus is creative. The only reason he renders an account is so he doesn't get hit. This is truly a dishonest judge. And yet Jesus holds him up. Now, thankfully, unlike a couple of weeks ago with the dishonest steward, I don't got to spend a lot of time trying to figure out what this gospel is all about. Because if you listen really closely, Luke clues us in with the first verse when we're told, Jesus told his disciples a parable. I just described the parable about the necessity for them to pray always without becoming weary. So that's what Jesus is doing here. He's using this judge as a story for you and I to make sure that we do not grow weary in our life of faith. We do not grow weary in our life of discipleship. And you're probably saying right now, I don't get it. How is this guy an example? And how is this widow an example of not growing weary. I think the point is this. 
What Jesus does here, everyone, is he paints a picture of the very opposite of who God the Father is. Remember, Jesus' primary mission is to show us the Father. Remember when the apostles say, Jesus, show us the Father? And Jesus says, okay, I'll show you the Father. That's why I came. So Jesus is constantly revealing to us who God the Father is, not in our own mind, but in truth, in reality. And what Jesus then does is says, here's the opposite. A dishonest judge who doesn't care about other people. So what Jesus is doing then is showing us two extremes. Who God the Father is and who this lowlife judge is. Now, what's the point of doing that? What Jesus is saying is this. If even this lowlife judge is willing to respond to the voice of the persistent one, how much more does God the Father respond to the persistent one? If even the lowest, even the most corrupt, even the most dishonest is willing to respond to persistence, everyone, how much more does God the Father respond to our persistence? That's the point. So the takeaway for us is to persevere. The takeaway for us is to be persistent. The takeaway for us is to stay on the path. You know, it's interesting that in the early church, Christianity wasn't called Christianity. In the early church, Christianity wasn't called Catholicism. In the early church, Christianity wasn't called the church. The very first term to describe Christian believers was the way, belonging to the way, W-A-Y. That word way is the same, road we ha- same word we have for road, the same word we have for path. So what the early Christians saw themselves doing as disciples is staying on a certain path. Now, the reason I mention that is because if we're on the way, if we're on the path, if we're on the road of discipleship, we know there are a lot of off-ramps, a lot of exit ramps where we're tempted to get off. It might be Glenallen. (laughs) No. Who knows where it is? But the point is, there are all sorts of opportunities and tendencies in the human heart to get off the way, and Jesus wants us to stay on the path and to persist and persevere. You know, it's interesting, too, that the opening prayer asks for the grace to be able to conform our will with God's. Let me just say that again. The opening prayer said that we're asking for the grace to conform your will and mine with his. How often do we totally flop that? where it's about conforming his will with whose? With ours. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. If you would just be a bit more like me. If you would just be a little bit more just like I am, a little more honest like I am, a little more loving, rational, and caring like I am. We're constantly trying to take God and to fit him in our own little box. 
And God is way bigger, way grander than that reality. So what he asks us to do is not to try to convince God to become more like us, but he's trying to give us the grace for us to be more like him. The grace to conform whatever is going on in here with his divine will. And that takes persistence. And that takes perseverance. And that takes grace. So when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? I hope the answer is yes. And the answer begins with us. And it begins with us staying on the way. And if we're off the way, to get on the way. And to know that we have a good, good Father who far exceeds anything we can ask or imagine. May we persevere in pursuing him.